Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. There is so much to catch up on in the world of new media and social media. So much is changing, so much to think through and to adjust to. I'm so glad we have our Open House guru, Steve Krieger, to navigate these often scary times for us. Steve, welcome back to Open House. Thanks, Lee. Good on you. There are lots of ways, Steve, today in which old media is being outdone overrun by new media, especially social media. A couple of current issues running in the United Kingdom at the moment. First in this crisis, currently ripping through the BBC. Well, that's right. A perfect example of what you've uh, just illustrated where social media starts to take on a bit of a life of its own. Uh, The uh, BBC Panorama program uh, aired allegations of a uh, a pedophile. They didn't name the pedophile, Mm. but they uh, mentioned uh, a social conservative Um, and linked that unnamed uh, person to child abuse allegations. Um, And so while they didn't mention a name of the person that they were uh, alleging had done wrong, social media uh, took some some information uh, from the past, some wrong information, uh, and filled in the gaps, uh, falsely linking uh, a man called Lord McAlpine uh, as this unnamed social conservative. And so uh, this story then took a life... uh, on of its own, uh, as uh, he's now been accused of something pretty terrible that he, he didn't do, and he's now considering what kind of action uh, he takes against the BBC. And the problem is, and it needs to be emphasised, that Panorama didn't name this person, and yet the BBC Director-General, the Head of News and the Deputy News resigned over this because social media named him. That's right, which is a, a quite a scary thing for so-called old media. I mean, they, they didn't have, and they admitted, they didn't have enough evidence to name him and they weren't going to name him Uh, and the law at least in britain demands that journalists uh, and even bloggers as well uh, must take reasonable care to research and and verify an allegation to some extent though they are taking the responsibility for what they didn't say uh, for information they didn't communicate that has now got out into the public domain so the challenge for old media is to be much more careful now, not just with what they say, but with what they don't say, because they can be held responsible for this um, even unnamed uh, and uh, uh, uninformed um, information that is distributed. Because the point I draw from this, and it's a really tricky one for journalists and public figures for that matter, you can't stuff this social media genie back in the bottle. Where do you go with this then? Well, exactly. So, I mean, once it's out, it's out. And uh, all it takes is one tweet that's then shared with a whole bunch of other people on Twitter and then um, off it goes and the Chinese whispers um, uh, are distributed. So, firstly, I mean, and we've discussed this before, there is a need, again, for the law to continue to keep up with technology. The law is always behind uh, technology and seeking to catch up. So a lot more thought needs to go into, well, how are people held to account for the things that they say? You know, we've talked about this in terms of trolls uh, and that kind of really bad behaviour and people aren't um, really held to account for for what they're doing. But also, again, we're seeing uh, uh, the reality that people don't really know uh, how to handle um, social media. Firstly, I mean, how... um, uh, how is this guy meant to recover from an allegation like this? I mean, it's a terrible uh, allegation, and now his yes. name is um, forever linked with child abuse. It's wrong, yes. um, but it's, it's out there. It was mentioned uh, at the time, and you know, this is a contest, and social media is a contest between progress and ignorance. As we try to think that as we continue to um, develop, as time goes on, we, we become more progressive and 
got a better idea how to do things, but at the same time we're um, constantly being um, held up in our face as a mirror of our own ignorance, um, of our own inability to use the technology that we think we are progressing with. It's a time where I, as a journalist, just buy a boat and go fishing, I think. That's the <laughs> that's one of the answers. <laughs> yeah. Also in the UK, I mentioned there were two aspects. There's a critical vote coming up on women bishops in the Anglican Church, and social media is playing a really interesting role there as well. Yeah, this is interesting. So, yeah, the Church of England, uh, their general synod is coming up, and they will, at this time, uh, vote on whether or not they should have uh, women bishops within the church, and it's become... Uh, apparently quite a close call. They're not sure how this vote is going to going to fall. Uh, and so some people in favour of women bishops have launched a social media campaign, Yes to Women Bishops, it's called. Um, and their real desire here, they've described it as an upward flow of information um, in a top-down institution. So their, their critique of the Church of England is that a lot of decisions are made at the top, um, and those decisions filter down and affect a lot of people. And what they're trying to do uh, with this social media campaign is get a bit of grassroots support and get your, your average pew sitter to put their opinion uh, about women bishops, um, talk about it online, make a vote about it online, and then feed back that opinion to uh, the people who will be representing them at Synod. What's the response been, and might it have the power to tip people over if this is such a tight vote in the Synod? So they said in the first five days, probably a 1,000 people uh, responded and put their vote in. With any of these campaigns, there is always the potential for, for change. Something I've noticed uh, about these social media campaigns, and they pop up all the time in response to lots of different issues, yes. is that it tends to be um, people who want to see something changed. Now, um, this, this may sound like an obvious point, but it tends to be people who want to see something change who launch these campaigns and then participate in them. The people who are happy with the status quo, they're happy with how things are, don't tend to raise their voice. Good point, yes. So it may not necessarily be, a lot of votes in this campaign may not necessarily mean that people are supporting it in general, but that the people who do support it are voting. Um, so uh, a, a campaign that comes to mind in recent times, you know, very controversial, was, say, Alan Jones um, made those controversial comments at the dinner and then a social media campaign was launched um, to get people to stop advertising on his show. Now, a number of people uh, did sign that petition, but at the same time, the, the listeners to his program didn't decline. In fact, they increased. So it's hard to know what to kind of conclude from that type of campaign uh, because obviously there is a groundswell of support um, for the campaign but at the same time many of the people who um, uh, aren't voting, aren't contributing to the campaign still have a powerful voice. Yeah, it's a good point. Lots of heat but not much light Exactly. so often. There's this great quote, I love this quote from the lady spearheading this Yes to Women Bishops movement. She says, social media is a strange animal. It sometimes appears as a winged horse enabling our aspirations for free speech and people power to take flight. There's real power in that, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, there's always a lot of uh, fuel there in a social media campaign, but it's, uh, the question is always who is it fueling um, and how many people um, uh, are still... That this, you, know, you, can, you can still have a silent majority, people who um, care deeply but don't respond. Yeah, that's a good point. Steve, you also found an interesting analysis on cities and suburbs of the future where we'll be living 
and they'll be significantly reshaped, according to this study, by digital media. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting to consider how the future will look, what our cities might look like in the future. I mean, we imagine at some uh, point in the uh, not-too-distant past, you know, living like the Jetsons, you know, with our own little spaceships and <laughs> kind of floating around in space. Yeah. That reality hasn't come to us. This study, as we look at, you know, the, the big cities of the future, is considering, well, how will life be different because of technology? Mm. We've got an increasing mobility with our smartphones and our tablets. We can work anywhere. We don't have to be connected to a desk that's, that's plugged into the wall. We've got increasing numbers of people who are working from home, uh, and we've got um, access to the internet, not just in the office, but really anywhere we like. You know, Wi-Fi has enabled us with internet access and the ability to work from libraries and, and cafes and, and even on the bus. And so you know, this study is exploring, well, what will our cities look like? We'll have smaller buildings probably as we um, need to you know, we walk away from the big high-rise. Yes. We will increasingly kind of be working in smaller communities as we move away from you know, those, those big buildings. Interestingly, they think that with the increased use in social media and the desire for people to spend time on that, that public transport will become increasingly desirable. People want to want to spend time in their cars. They'd much rather be on the bus or the train or the ferry so they can make use of their, their phone or, or their tablet. And that cities will be repositioned around people rather than cars. Um, so previously, and because we had such a car heavy environment we needed to get around in the cars our cities were developed around those that road infrastructure the thought is that in the future as um, we uh, are able to work from home or close to home we will rely less on roads and that road space will be opened up to be used for for different things not a bad thing and also say for uh, the sh- these huge shopping malls if there's going to be more and more online shopping what do we do with those kind of mini cities and and of themselves yeah, I mean, most of those are really ugly spaces yeah. if you look at them from and the huge. outside. Yeah. And take up a huge amount of real estate. So that, that could be a positive thing as well, open the way for parks and for other public spaces. Steve, finally, this is something a bit unusual these days, something new for old media on television. It's Viggle. Please explain. This is fun, I think, and yes. uh, a good use of, of television, a challenge to those who say you can't do anything good while you're sitting on the couch. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we've had Hurricane Sandy uh, go through the east coast of uh, America recently and big clean-up campaign and uh, people in need to, to look after. Viggle uh, is an app um, that's trying to do something, trying to help people to uh, help their neighbours. Basically, the way that it works is is that you use this app to check in to um, the television show that you're, you're watching. You know, you kind of signal online that you are watching this particular show. And Viggle gives you points for the television shows that you watch. And you can cash in these points for various things, but one way that Viggle is letting you use the points is to donate them to the Red Cross, who will in turn um, use that credit to help people who uh, have... Uh, uh, lost out as a result of Hurricane Sandy. So that's a good use of watching TV. You know, there's other ways uh, that Viggle is, uh, is jumping on the bandwagon. They really are creating an interactive network for people watching a TV show to participate in polls and to comment with others who are watching that show. You know, there's apps in Australia that do that kind of thing. But here's a great, uh, a great way to sit on the couch with um, a bucket of chips and also do something good at the same time. <laughs> One for the couch potatoes. Absolutely. Steve Krieger, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this open house podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.